We're back. Season two of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing underway here as we are just a mere five days from the 2024 Daytona 500. Braxton Crisp here with you once again with Steve Binko, Jake Flatley, and Dylan Godet. Guys, it's been a, uh, in some ways, long off season, in some ways, short off season. The first time we've seen each other face to face since uh, since the last race of the year last year. Uh, we have chatted some throughout the off season, but guys, uh, how's your off season been? You ready for Daytona? I'm definitely ready for Daytona. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl of of real really motorsports in the United States. Um, I think uh, it's it, much anticipated as it is every year, and um, yeah, I can't wait to see it. But although Braxton, you had probably the most eventful off season. You were hanging out with Taylor Swift on Sunday. I, that might be a little bit of an embellishment. I was within a hundred feet of Taylor Swift for most of Sunday afternoon, uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, and, and honestly, it's wild. The, the, I keep seeing more and more people who have made their way into her suite that I had no idea were even in there. Paul McCartney, Shaq, uh, it was wild, but enough about Vegas. The race wasn't in Vegas. The race is going to be in Daytona. Uh, Jake, how was your off season? It was pretty good. Um, it's always, I mean, the NASCAR season is long, obviously. Um, so I'm, I'm, but I'm ready to kind of get back on the, the grind here and, and, uh, you know, follow what is typically, uh, you know, the Daytona 500, um, for all the marbles, pretty much the biggest race of the year at the start, um, which is great. And just, the grind of one of my favorite sports and uh, I'm looking forward to the season. There's, there's been a lot of changes, which we'll get to and um, we'll just see what happens. Uh, and the beauty of the 500 also is it's a true wild card to begin the year. Yeah, I would say this is the most invested I've been in all the NASCAR news during the off season in quite some time. So I'm excited uh, for all the new movers, players, and different uh, drivers in different places. Um, have a full season, fingers crossed, without any injury concerns for some of the Hendrick drivers. So we can kind of see where that whole team is at. The new body types for Ford and Toyota. I just think there's a lot of fun things uh, happening this season. And we already had the clash, which was, you know, from a weather as a meteorologist, from a weather standpoint, that was about as crazy as it gets. So uh, thankfully, we got that race in. Well, yeah, Dylan, you've already been put to your paces a little bit on uh, on some race forecasts between the clash and then what the early predictions were looking like for the 500, right? Yes, definitely. Good news is, as we'll talk about at the end, Daytona's forecast has improved a little bit. Still, uh, yeah, last <laughs> the clash, it, will, it does not get worse. Thankfully, they got the race in when they did because I don't think they would have had the chance to until Thursday. <laughs> which uh, would really would have put it in jeopardy. I, I will say, so I, I was out West. I was in Las Vegas at the time the clash happened. And, you know, shortly after that system hit LA that dumped, I mean, it must've started in, in LA no more than an hour or 90 minutes after the Mexico series race ended. They timed it perfectly to get all that in and get folks starting to pack up and head home. Uh, but then it rained for seriously like four days straight in las vegas which is wild vegas is in the desert you don't expect four days straight of rain you expect that somewhere in the midwest around here uh you know this time of year right um yeah, but it, it was yeah. definitely 
a uh, a what they call it, an atmospheric river. I think that that accurately describes it. Yes, for sure. Well, guys, let's uh, let's get started with this uh, year in this uh, first episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing Season Two. Uh, we'll get to the clash in just a bit, but let's go back a little bit further, uh, and we're going to talk about some some things that we saw at the beginning or uh, through the off season, I should say, uh, of the biggest changes and the favorite things we saw in the off season. Uh, and I think it's a fun thing that you can incorporate a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything. There's been lots of change to talk about. If we sat here and listed it all off, we would be here for hours upon hours. We're not going to bore you with all that. There are plenty of resources, uh, my favorite being jski.com, uh, to keep track of all of that. Uh, but let, let's talk some about the biggest off-season changes we saw in, in NASCAR. Uh, and, and there's been a lot of them to pick from, so I don't think we'll have any trouble uh, picking different ones. Well, I think uh, if, if we're talking about, like, um, there's a couple things that I'm really interested in seeing, but... Um, I, I think as far as changes go, my favorite overall, as far as a track, um, is the uh, Indy Oval coming back as opposed to the the, uh, the road course. I just think that it needs to be there. There's really no reason for it not to be, and I don't think it's been a super great race the last uh, three years that they've had it. Um, as far as drivers. Um, I, I think one of the things that I'm really interested to see is Josh Berry, uh, in the four, um, he has, I think a lot of talent, but kind of trailed off a little bit toward the end, uh, of the season last year, um, that he was getting those, uh, you know, getting the, the time in, uh, in both the cup series and the Xfinity series. So, um, but overall, those are, those are the two things that I'm looking at. Also, the four team has a new spotter in, uh, Eddie DeHaunt who has uh we'll see kind of what what happens there but uh those are two things that i think have uh as far as like cup series implications could have the biggest uh you know biggest uh upside because losing harvick is going to be hard for that team yeah when i when i look at that steve uh that was also at the top of my list of harvick and just kind of stewart haas racing overall First changes in the offseason go and one of the bigger question marks, I guess you could say, um, coming into this season, you know, Kevin Harvick is a guy who raced in the Cup Series 826 races over 23 years. And, you know, he's moving on to the booth and now, you know, we see Josh Berry come in and uh, looking at... um you know, some of the Fox sports uh, season previews and reading a little bit on NASCAR.com. Josh Berry is, uh, even though he raced some last year, he's eligible for rookie of the year, um, which is interesting. I, I'm I'm just curious to see what, what happens with Stuart Haas because they were very disappointing, to say the least, uh, last season. And then you factor in Noah Gregson coming in in the 10 car. And, the, you know, Ryan Priest and Chase Briscoe remain in that stable. But what happens with that team? Um, we'll see Ford coming in there uh, with, you know, new front ends and, you know, some n- new designs, which we saw a preview there at the Clash of what that will look like. Um, but definitely right there. And as far as tracks go, 
in in schedule changes, I look at uh, Bristol Dirt uh, being no more, and um, there, you know, it kind of lost its luster in a way um, after a few years of having dirt. We'll see how the fans. Uh, truly react when it comes up and just how how the racing is there this spring um it, it'll be fun to get back there in the spring i think and i'm hopeful uh that the switch will pay off there the thing i'm most excited about you kind of hinted at it was the the new nose for the ford and toyota's changes as well i think that's going to be interesting to see because the last time we had you know, that happened was with, with Chevy doing their, when they had the new Camaro body and everything and, you know, all the successes that they had after, you know, maybe a little bit of a slow start. So that's what I, that's what I'm most look, most looking forward to, of course, you know, with the Brickyard being back, being one of the closer tracks to me, that's going to be cool to see. And I think just from a fan perspective, um, that's going to be going to be fun as well. I'm interested to see the changes uh, that were made to the short track package to see if that offers uh, any better racing. I know a lot of people were kind of frustrated with the racing at the Clash, but I thought again, it, for NASCAR at a short track, it, it does not get much better for a flat track than that. I'm sorry, I don't know what you were expecting, uh, but I thought there were a lot of comers and goers. You clearly could pass considering Ryan Blaney went from last to the front row uh, by the final restart. So, yeah, um, that has me a little hopeful for the changes. Yeah, there's a lot. And I'm surprised that uh, this didn't get a mention, but I think the biggest one for me is Legacy Motor Club going to Toyota. Uh, And on the surface, like we we knew this a long time ago. It was announced very early in the season last year. Uh, But what really shocked me was uh came out in a uh in an auto week article by mike Pryson on january 5th uh where he talked with legacy motor club ceo cal wells the third uh and and basically what cal was saying is that despite jimmy johnson winning seven championships in the cup series for chevrolet and maury gallagher winning multiple championships in the truck series for chevrolet that uh chevy just didn't have the resources to treat Legacy Motor Club as any more than a tier three team. Uh, and and he doesn't necessarily throw Chevrolet under the bus. He understood that Chevrolet has many tier one teams to begin with, you know, RCR, Hendrick Motorsports, um, you know, that there's a, a big demand for from those organizations to begin with. Trackhouse. Uh, so they he, he was glad to see that that Chevrolet was kind of going by the wayside for legacy motor club and uh and toyota coming in and now instead of just having uh six toyotas they're going to have eight toyotas uh in the daytona 500 and eight toyotas full season now uh and so even denny hamill was talking about it the other day on his pod about how the uh having more toyotas is really going to help them not only at the super speedways but also just having you know more teams to have notes from uh especially having a team that's not necessarily JGR aligned, but still under that Toyota umbrella, because uh, you could say that the six teams that the two twenty three elevens and the four uh, JGR teams was kind of like a little bit like an echo chamber, right? Because all the data was coming from, you know, JGR and their aligned team. 
well, now Legacy is kind of their own thing. They're not going to certainly divulge all of their secrets to their their fellow Toyota teams, but I think that they would, you know, be maybe come up with some different ideas and different things they can share back and forth. So I think that's uh, that's going to be huge for Legacy Motor Club, and I'm excited to see uh, how they're able to to be more competitive, uh, especially. You know, we know Eric Jones, what he can do on, you know, some of the slick racetracks. And you know, Darlington has been his bread and butter for a long time. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see if w- with some better manufacturer support, he's able to uh, to put things together and have some more uh, wide ranging success in 2024. Well, I think that's an important point because like um, I like Eric Jones a lot. I think that there was a lot of last year that was partially driver. Um and also partially car um, having Jimmy Johnson as kind of the, the ringleader of all of this. He's won everywhere. He was Superman for basically two decades. Um, but you need to be sure that you're going to get the treatment that you're looking for at another manufacturer, because going from uh, Chevrolet to Toyota is a, is a big jump and it's a big gamble. Um, but I, you know, I'll be interested to see how things you know, how fast those cars are at, uh, Daytona because, you know, Jimmy's won the Daytona 500 before. Um, not that I think that he's going to win Sunday, although, you know, you never know. Um, but there's also, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors in it and they have, you know, some, they have different things happening there this year. So, uh, I, I think it's good for the sport that Toyota gets more cars. Um, you know, there's, I don't know if it helps with parity, but it helps with uh, a more of an opportunity for another manufacturer to win. Um, we'll just have to see, you know, what Toyota is going to provide for them that Chevrolet wasn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we want to get to our some of our bold predictions just yet, but I didn't want to mine, uh, not to spoil anything, will involve this team. Uh, I think looking back at last year, you know, the team, even from the start of the season, just kind of, it just seemed like a mess. Something was off. Um, remember the, you know, the rumblings with um, Richard Petty and Jimmy Johnson not being on the same page. Um, you know, Jimmy coming in, really taking things over. Um, and then we know, you know, what happened to one of their drivers during the season. Um, and it just seemed like, you know, week after week, they were just way off and this, you know, switch to Toyota comes out. Um, but I, I, you know, like Steve said, I'm, I'm a Toyota guy. I, I, uh, you know, I'm fans of uh, some of the Toyota drivers, so I'm, I'm pretty happy and I'm optimistic, um, you know, for, the drivers, Eric Jones and John Hunter Nemechek, which is another storyline getting in there. Um, I, I'm pretty confident that, you know, this switch will result in positive gains because I guess how could it not with the way their season was last year? Yeah, so... that was a, I just think that was a team that really struggled last year. So, um, I mean to work with what Denny Hamlin's doing and trying to build at the Toyota side, uh, the Netflix series over the off season, I think really gave a, a really good insight into what Denny Hamlin's doing for Toyota and vice versa. Um, so it'll be interesting to see 
um, where they fit into that kind of tight-knit group of Toyota teams. Yeah, and that's not to say, you know, all the other things. I mean, there's been so much going on in the Cup Series, and I think a big one, too, is uh, is Rick Ware Racing taking their alliance to uh, the Roush Fenway camp. You see the strides that RFK made last year. You saw the strides that especially Michael McDowell made uh, in the front in the front row camp. You know, they're aligned with RFK. You know, McDowell had his best top to bottom season of his career last year. Um, and, and that really parroted the the improvements that RFK made in his organization. So there's a big opportunity for uh, for Rick Ware to, to jump on that bandwagon as well. And they have uh, probably, I think, possibly their most talented young driver they've ever had and Justin Haley behind the wheel. So there's a lot more uh, to talk about. We'll get to all of that throughout the season as things develop. Um, before we get to Jake's teased uh, bold predictions, what, what was your favorite thing you saw in racing uh, in the off season? I mean, there was, even though it was the NASCAR off season, there was certainly a lot of racing still going on. Uh, the, with the formula one ended after the NASCAR season did um, near the Las Vegas Grand Prix was after the NASCAR racing season uh, was over. He had the 24 hours of Daytona. You had the Chili Bowl, the Wild West shootout, the Tulsa shootout, all kinds of stuff. What was your favorite thing you saw in uh, in racing over the winter? Well, let's be honest. The Formula One season ended several months before the yeah, it it did. <laughs> um, but uh, the favorite, my you know, my favorite thing every year. First of all, I'd like to point out that it's I don't really get a chance to see full races, but um, I caught a couple of the V8 Supercars highlights, and I got to say, like that is some pretty crazy racing. Um, you know, there's a lot of really, you know, like if you watch the, you know, the Chicago street race, you know, most of the tracks look like that. And those cars are, you know, nose to tail every single lap, a lot of the time. So you see a lot of really, really great battles. Um, and it's, it's just really, really interesting. And Brody Kostecki came away with championship, I believe last year. Um, and, and, uh, so just it's interesting, but the the Rolex twenty four is uh is one of my favorite races of the year. It's it's so much fun. Uh, I stayed up for about seventeen hours total watching it. Um, I, uh, I I you know it's tough when you're when you go to bed at like three o'clock in the morning and something happens at four o'clock in the morning and you wake up a little bit later and think like how did I miss this with a car <laughs> being completely retired you know like. So, uh, but, uh, those two, I would say are, were at the top of my list. For me, uh, it kind of, uh, was just mentioned there by Dylan. I just thought that the Netflix series coming out, which was pretty recent a couple weeks ago, uh, was probably my favorite thing of the off season, just cause I feel like we've never seen something like that before. Uh, as far as NASCAR goes. And I thought it was well done. Um, Some of the critics might say it was a little too focused on, you know, Denny Hamlin and Toyota a little bit from what I read, but I thought overall it was good. I think it had the impact that many wanted it to have uh, case in point over the weekend, just this past weekend, my brother-in-law, uh, came down and who is not a NASCAR fan, but he knew I was and told me, Hey, I watched 
full speed on Netflix and I want to go to a race this year. So I'm looking to try to get him there um, and, and see, see what, what fits and, and how we can get him to the racetrack. But something like that, uh, case in point, is, you know, one of the benefits of that series. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and another thing as far as other racing series go in Formula One, uh, the big news with Lewis Hamilton um, I'm not sh- exactly sure that would categorize as my as my favorite thing, but it was definitely, um, you know, that is just a huge moment. Um, the upcoming changes with him going to uh, Ferrari, just overall in the in the motorsports world. Yeah, the that that news, Formula One news, <laughs> definitely was a. I think it just caught everyone off guard a little bit, but. I uh, didn't get the chance to talk about this in the podcast. We had mentioned that I was going to go, but I got to go to the NASCAR awards banquet uh, and everything there that happened in Nashville with the whole, um, with the parade and the multiple driver interviews. And that's when it was announced the new media deal with NASCAR. So I was going to be, got to be in the room for potentially, you know, one of the bigger pieces of, you know, NASCAR news in quite some time was that new television deal uh, that did include um, back with Warner Brothers and a couple other different avenues with Amazon Prime and everything. So um, that was a super cool experience. The drivers were great. Uh, it was interesting to like, you know, with all the media scrum where, you know, they're going from each of the different playoff drivers, just how each of them, you know, responded to questions and how long they stayed. You could tell Kevin Harvick was, you know, transitioning from driver to announcer where he wasn't, he didn't really feel like the rest of the drivers, like his interview uh, compared to the rest of them. But it was, it was a pretty cool experience. Got to you know, kind of see a little bit behind the scenes of everyone in NASCAR. Yeah, that was a, a great, great deal for you to get to go to that, Dylan. I'm glad that, uh, you got to see that because it sounds like it was uh, it, it was a who's who of the NASCAR industry uh, outside of the, the biggest who's who, I guess you could say, outside of the racetrack. Yes, the country, uh, for right? sure it was. And the red carpet experience was really cool. And um, to go in and watch the awards as they're you know being revealed, I did not stay for the, <laughs> which I wish I would have now, looking back for the post party that took place because that looked like a wild time i saw several of the nascar media members going crazy on stage i forget who was rapping or whatever but we all have an idea who it was yeah we do (laughs) dylan so you gotta you gotta if you go next year you have to stay no i I realize that now i did i was completely unaware of the post party so and and we'll have to like timestamp this and go back and, and make sure to follow up on it at the end of the season. But um, I, th- I think we can universally agree that what needs to happen here, what we need to see as your fellow podcast hosts is, uh, is you doing karaoke duet with Bob Pockers. <laughs> if we can somehow arrange that. Absolutely. Or, or a dance battle with Bob Pockers would be great. Oh, a dance battle. Oof. That would be one of the, you know, as a meteorologist, with Bob Pockris also dancing, that would be cringe at a nine out of 10 level. Hey, don't hate on Bob. He can cut a rug. <laughs> that, that is awesome. You got to go to that though. Um, 
I think my favorite thing uh, in racing I saw this offseason actually just happened last week. It was the uh, Pro Superstar Shootout drag racing event at Bradenton Motorsports Park. Uh, it was announced that it was going to happen just before the SRX race in at Berlin Raceway. As well, we'll mention now, um, rest in peace, SRX. That was a good three-year run. Hopefully it's back in some form. Maybe it's the newly revamped IROC thing that Ray Evernham's putting together. Don't know, but rest in peace, SRX. Uh, but but that Pro Superstar Shootout event was announced is going to be happening uh, just before the SRX Berlin race last summer. And so when I was at the SRX race, I asked Tony Stewart about it, and not even on camera. Like I just was chatting with him after the race, and uh, and it turned out amazing by all accounts that I could see. Um, it was literally the biggest purse ever offered in drag racing. It was $250,000 for the winning Top Fuel and the winning uh, Funny Car team, and then $125,000 for the winning Pro Stock team. Uh, so it was uh, just an amazing weekend. They packed the place in Bradenton, uh, the track, uh, and Victor down there did a huge job of upgrading the track, and, and they the place was slammed full. I heard they were closing the gates off to fans like just afternoon, like mid afternoon on Friday and Saturday. It was just so cool to see. Um, kind of like what SRX has done, taking the superstars to a grassroots track, see uh, the top dogs in, in drag racing go to, uh, to a grassroots track there in Bradenton. Uh, and it, if there's anything that tells you that, that racing is healthy, from a fan perspective that there is the support for racing. Uh, it's that now I think there just needs to be uh, the support from some of the corporate partners and, and the corporations involved in racing uh, hint, hint NASCAR in their negotiations with the uh, um, with the charter agreement. Uh, but I think, you know, you, you could argue that maybe not with the sheer popularity of the nineties and two thousands when they're, it's selling a quarter million people at the Daytona, or whatever the number is, an insane number of people at Daytona and Bristol. Um, it probably not to that level, but I think it's very, very healthy still. It is not dying, uh, like some people would have you think. Yeah, uh, like I said, there was some other news. There was rest in peace for SRX. Uh, what's going to come with uh, the newly announced IROC reboot? We'll keep up with that for sure. Um, Anything you guys want to say to put a bow on that before we get on to the clash and a brief clash recap? All right, then. Well, let's uh, let's go on to the clash. Is the it was the final uh, edition of the clash at Los Angeles Coliseum under the current contract agreement. So, could be the last ever clash at the Coliseum. We see uh, the as we mentioned earlier the forecast for Sunday race day was atrocious uh and, and we even going back before that they announced that the saturday events which would be in practice and heat races was going to be closed to fans fans lost their minds on social media and convinced nascar to open it up to fans so nascar decided they're going to open uh the coliseum up for free to watch practice and heat races uh and then you get to the race week Sunday looks awful on the weather. 
they end up moving it to Saturday. And so basically all those fans who complained that they wanted to go on Saturday for free, got to see the race for free, uh, which is, I thought was just a funny little like unintentional coup, but still, uh, it's NASCAR and funny stepping on their own feet. Like all they had to do was just make this easier for everybody. And they made it harder, got people mad at them. And then we're like, well, look what we're doing. So just, just, dumb but it worked they out. totally could have sold like ten dollar tickets and people would have still ate it up oh yeah and they still sure. would have made a little bit of money on it yeah absolutely because again like you know they're trying to expand the sport to places like la i understand that you had auto club but that's not like exactly the same thing you know and so i think that the market um it, first of all there's no more auto club at least for the foreseeable future and now you have the opportunity to get the greater los angeles area to come to the coliseum you you do that, you put all this money into making it a racetrack, and then you tell people that they can't, not that they can't, but that it, you're going to make it harder for them to see the cars that they came to see, or at least don't want to see, but want to go to something new potentially. So just getting in their own way. That's all that was. So yeah, so this people end up getting to see a race basically for free, uh, which I thought was, was hilarious. Um, but then the racing itself was actually pretty good, uh, you know, compared to previous years that it wasn't total bumper cars. Um, and I think there was an element of that perhaps because, you know, they went so fast in the program and they didn't have a whole ton of on track time that it didn't really allow for frustrations to build until later on in the race. But uh, I thought of, of the three clashes, it was definitely the most watchable. Yeah, I would I would absolutely agree with that. I I really liked it. I I'm a huge fan. I just because I think I've gone to Martinsville enough to just that kind of style of, you know, somebody starts out a run fast and then slowly fades and somebody can't pass them and it stacks up the field and yeah, you know, I just I just really enjoy that style of of short track racing a little bit. I actually like it more than than the Bristol style, even the old Bristol, I would still put that kind of racing over top of that. So I, I liked it for sure. I, I'm always going to be one that will will wear on the side of enjoying those type of races more than I think the average fan. I, I'll i be honest, I didn't get a chance to watch it live because of the change uh, in the schedule, but I have to give a shout out for NASCAR to the way they adjusted the schedule something we haven't haven't seen uh, in a long time with a race getting moved up a complete day. I mean, uh, sure, it's, it's exhibition, um, but I, th- I believe that move at least uh, was applauded. Um, when I went back and watched uh, the replay and, and some of the highlights on the race on uh, NASCAR's YouTube page, um, I, I agree with what's been said so far um, that it was out of the three clashes, probably the best. Um, you know, the, the first clash was, was pretty crazy all in all from the events on and off the track. It was, it was more about honestly what was going on, not necessarily on the track, but just in the entire you know, stadium and outside of it and, and everything that comes with it. But this one was, was really good and I'm hopeful. Um, 
that maybe it'll carry over into some of the other short tracks on the schedule. I know we talked about it uh, last year a lot when it came to these short tracks um, that the racing needed to improve. And uh, hopefully this is a sign of things to come this season. Well, the clash ended up uh, being won by Denny Hamlin, uh, and it wasn't. It, it was good racing at the end. I thought, you know, you had your regular short track stuff there. That, um, you know, it, there was people who were like putting the bumper to others, but they weren't totally dumping people, and there it wasn't total pinball either. Um, it, it was a compelling end. Uh, as Dylan mentioned earlier, there was comers and goers for sure. I mean. Ty Gibbs, uh, you know, started off like hotcakes and he ran really well until he ended up fading away. Denny Hamlin fell back to seventh, ended up winning the race. Uh, Ryan Blaney, he said, came from 23rd to uh, the front row on the last restart. Uh, just a, I thought, an overall quality uh, race. And it showed, honestly, more passing than we've seen. You know, if we got that level of passing at Martinsville, well, perfect. You know, we'll take that for sure over the last couple of years, right? Martinsville has been a dud uh, the last few years with the package. We'll see how the new uh, the new short track package does when it's unveiled in a few weeks at Phoenix. It'll be the fourth race of the season. Um, any other notes you guys want to make on the clash? I mean, there was some surprising guys who didn't make it uh, into the field. and it, it was a tough field for sure to make it into. Only 23 cars got to go. And heck, uh, you know, you see like Josh Berry didn't make it. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys who were basically, they got to practice and done on, uh, on the clash weekend, which, which sucks for them. Cause I know the team spent a lot of money to go out there, uh, and to not get to compete, uh, in the main event. But, uh, any, anything guys you want to add about the clash? Uh, just two things. One, it was kind of crazy that I think Chase Elliott was taken out early with like a steering problem or it was like a, it was like a steering. I don't remember exactly what the problem was. Um, uh, and then Ricky Stenhouse getting super mad at, uh, I think, Nemechek. Uh, I think it was. I can't remember. But uh, Ricky was mad at a lot of people. I, he was the one, I think, who booted um, uh, Michael McDowell. Yeah. So it was. I thought. But then, it, he got, but then he got mad at Tyler Reddick at the end, too, like after the checkered yeah. flag. He, I, it was, I thought it was solid racing. Um Anytime I feel like you get to see a lot of comers and goers, you're, you're, you know, it's, it's going to be a, either a good finish um, because there's going to be guys that are close to the top. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think they're starting hopefully to figure out the short track package. Not that I think that this race would have been indicative of how other short tracks will be this year. Um, but, uh, and, and we we're talking about this a little bit, you know, I initially thought that the new front end for the Fords looked bad, um, but they actually, they look, I think they actually look really good. I just thought Joey Lugano's, uh, kind of how his looked wasn't great, but, uh, overall I was, I was happy with it. I wasn't happy with the previous, uh, cla- uh, clash, the Coliseums. One thing I want to add is that, um, Kyle Bush's performance in the all three clash races at the Coliseum to be top three and all three of them not winning. <laughs> he, he, uh, is, I think he's the best so far. Well, of the three races, 
he was the best, I think, overall. And with the consistency of him just coming up short every single time, it just seems like he just did not have enough at the very end uh, to to win all of those. But yeah, I thought he had a he had another good race, just like he did last year. Which is kind of funny because he's had good clashes, but then it seems like he struggled mightily in the regular season, especially uh, his last year at GGR and then last year his first year at RCR. Um, you know, he, he wins a couple of races, but it seems like there was a lot of weeks where he was just completely off the map. Yeah, but I think that you know, biggest thing is he did not show that speed at Martinsville any of the la- like last year with Chevy either so maybe maybe uh we could see some difference this year for sure well with the clash out of the way let's look forward to the upcoming season and then we'll look forward to the daytona 500 specifically but um let's go ahead and and make a a, an early call on some bold predictions and then uh, our final four and champion uh before anything even any official laps get turned uh, who wants to, to go first on a, on a bold pick? I mean, Jake, maybe you, since you already teasers a little bit. Sure. Uh, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Legacy Motor Club, it could be involved in a bold prediction. I think that uh, it's going to be a big year for them in Toyota. And by by their standards, I think they'll get a driver in the playoffs. I think Eric Jones will will make it into the playoffs this year for Legacy Motor Club. John Hunter Nemechek, certainly talented, will be knocking on the door as well. Um, that's one. I have two because I didn't know if this second one was bold enough. You guys can, can decide. <laughs> um, I think there'll be a f- first-time championship winner this year. Um, and I guess this could be a teaser to my championship picks down the road, but that would be a a driver like Byron Bell, Hamlin Chastain. Um, it's I, crazy I, that Hamlin's in that category. It is. It <laughs> is. I don't say that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know how bold that is, but just an interesting one. I was just, you know what? Um, we. It's been hard. We've seen in this in this playoff format, especially recently. Um, I don't. I don't need. I'm trying to think of the last repeat Cup Series winner. Um, but it, there's been a whole lot of just, you know, turnover, especially in the uh, just a championship four alone. So those two big year for Legacy Motor Club from what they were last year. And then, uh, you know, a, a new winner at the end of the season in the Cup Series. My bold prediction, um, the, my boldest prediction is going to come when you hear my final four. Um, so I guess that just a hold up there, but I think Ty Gibbs is going to have a great season. I think, uh, he just, well, like when Chase Elliott took, I think he's going to get his first win sooner than Chase Elliott did, but kind of like how Chase Elliott, um, was in terms of, you know, he was so close, he would run well. It just took one win for Chase to really start to pull them and get, um, several of them. So I think uh, Ty Gibbs could could potentially be a uh, not only a race winner, but win one or two as well. Um, I, I don't know. Jeff Striegel tweeted that he thought Bubba Wallace was going to win five races. I think that's a little bold. Uh, I have two bold predictions, and my other 
I'm going to make one of them when I make my championship pick, which I think is pretty bold. Um, but uh, I'm going with two 2311 uh, uh, bold predictions. But uh, my number, this this one is that Bubba wins uh, three races this year. I think that he has uh, a chance to take the uh, to take any of the super speedway races, uh, but also since they have added uh, the Brickyard 400 back, I think that there is also a chance that he could go there. You also have Kansas, place that he's won at before. Um, and so I don't know if that's like a crazy bold prediction, but I think that it's uh, bold enough to make this list. Okay. Um, my bold prediction is I think this will be Austin Cendrick's last year in the number two car. I think he could be replaced by Scott McLaughlin. Okay. Wow. Oh, really? Well, I mean, Austin Cendrick has done practically nothing in the cup series since he won the Daytona 500 his rookie year. And Scott McLaughlin has been vocal about wanting to, uh, to take a shot at NASCAR. That would be really fun and be big news. The the bold part of that is, the bold part of that is because of who Austin's dad is. Yes. But that's, I I think, the biggest surprise is how much he has struggled because it's like not even close, right? I mean, he's he's well under the performance level of the other Penske cars. Yeah, I'm curious. I want to look up um, average finish between Austin Cendrick and Harrison Burton last year. Yeah, that's a good. Can't be can't be crazy. Let me see if I can find that quickly. Expanded driver standing. So Centric finished twenty fourth in points. Harrison Burton finished thirty first. Uh, Centric had uh, one top five and five top tens. Harrison Burton had. No top fives and uh, two top tens. Let's see. Average finish. Austin Centric 21-6. Harrison Burton 24-7. Yikes. So just, wow. you know, basically three three positions on average difference there. Um, whereas, you know, Joey Logano in an otherwise like down year for by Joey standards, right? 14.9 and Blaney 14.1. Yeah. So say that's like a 17 and a half position or seven and a half position average between, you know, the, the Penske, the three, the three, three, three true Penske cars and Blaney and, uh, and Joey versus Austin Cendrick. Where was Brad at Brad Kozlowski, the former driver of the two? What's his uh, Brad Kozlowski average finish 14, four. Wow. Right. And ha- has not won a race in three f- years. Yes, yeah. at least. That's that's impressive to me. I mean, like, like if we look at if we look at Ryan Blaney, um, you know, obviously coming off of a championship uh, season, um, it, it had been a while for him before he had won the. I mean, I'm not counting the All Star race. It had been a while since he had won a race. Uh, I think going back to 2020 uh, at Talladega or 2021, Maybe 21, 21, yeah. Um, and, but, but still was finishing very, very well, which to me is the mark of like how good of a driver you are. Um, and I think Brad is still kind of in that upper echelon. Uh, just, I think 
one of the main issues with him is that I think that he's just uber aggressive on some of these tracks that, and it works against him. Uh, but you know, he, he had a couple top fives this year. Uh, but like if he were in that two car, I, I think that he may have been able to grab a win. Uh, the most impressive. I don't know. He right there with the other, he finished. Yeah, the Brad champion, had seven top fives. NASCAR. He had the same average finish as him. So I know, but Busher, like I'm looking at Busher's car last year, and I just think to myself, like, like why can't Brad do that? Is at all like I don't. I, I, this is a bold prediction, maybe. And I said this last season. I don't think Brad's ever going to win another race. Honestly. Um, okay. I, I just I don't. I don't see a pathway where he's better than anybody for the entirety of a race. Well, here you go. So, uh, so Chris Busher's average finish was 12.1, largely buoyed, I think by the three wins. Uh, but Brad Keselowski actually led, um, 86 more laps than Chris Busher did last year. He was the runner up at a couple races though. And I think that that helps like to Chris Busher. Like, well, he's runner up to Chris Busher. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, I just think that from a on track standpoint, that Austin Cindric hasn't done much. I, I will say, from a business perspective, though, that keeping Cindric around is very attractive because you know they're getting him at a discount. Why don't um, they switch places? Put him in an Indy car. And Scott McLaughlin and NASCAR. What about an Insa car? That's I, I. I would think that like if 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 Cindric were to go anywhere, like I don't see another spot in a Cup Series car for him, and maybe IndyCar. I mean, I I think that there is a, there could be a chance, but like I think that you know, like I don't know something something NASCAR sanctioned. Maybe I don't think he would go back to the Xfinity Series full time. No, I don't think Penske is is excited about the possibility of. Um, kickstarting the uh, the Xfinity program again either, Mm-mm. but but he could easily go to IMSA. I think even if it's not with um, the Penske Porsche Motorsport team that uh, the the GTP the prototype hypercar team, um, you know the GT40 is back in the GTD class now, so mm-hmm. he could easily go back and do GT racing still under the Ford umbrella. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I mean, like. You know the lineage is there. He could, he could definitely. He, I mean, I think he's a talented driver. Um, I don't know what it is though. He, but he, you know, that Xfinity series, the season before he came to the Cup Series was phenomenal. Um, he started off winning the Daytona 500, and everyone's like, "Wow, Cindric is really like coming in with a bang." And it's been like a precip- It was like a precipitous fall off, you know. So mm-hmm. there's got to be something that they can do, but at the end of the day, you know, the results speak for themselves and then, you know, they're going to have to make a decision by the end of this year. So I, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I, don't, I would say it's still bold because I don't think it's going to happen, but uh, it probably sh- should. Yeah. That's why I kind of want to be honest with you. <laughs> right. Um, all right. So let's go uh, final four in champions. I have it written down. I'll go first. Uh, so uh, here's my championship four. We have Chase Elliott, who's going to come back uh, with a vengeance this year. Hendrick Motorsports is going to put all the, their eggs in the basket of Chase Elliott since I think last year was rough for the team. I think it really hurt the Na- the Netflix series with him not in it. Um, my other is Denny Hamlin, who is going to make the championship four, but not win the championship in Phoenix. 
uh, Ryan Blaney and Tyler Reddick with my champion as Tyler Reddick. I think that 2311 is going to make a big gain this year with Bubba winning and a lot more than he has and Tyler Reddick winning the championship. Okay, then. On to me, my championship for one of those I have down as Tyler Reddick. Uh, I have his team owner, Denny Hamlin, William Byron coming back. Although my wife's bold prediction, she told me before the show started was a down year for Byron. So I'll mark that down. And then my other, (laughs) my other driver in the four will be Joey Logano uh, rebounding from what, uh, you know, we we just mentioned it uh, in in his standards was a down year last year, pretty but a pretty darn good year. Uh, and because it seems lately, I'm a fan of uh, teams and drivers that continue to have shortcomings and big moments. And but I still still keep coming back. I'm going to pick Danny Hamlin to win the championship. There you go with the hat and everything. And on the way, I bought this hat in Martinsville last year, and then it ended up people laughing at me at the end by the end of the race but mm-hmm. uh yeah i if you on our webcam here i just put on a hamlin hat but you know i i don't know i just i seem to end up on him i ended up on him last year in my our preseason he's got to win sometime maybe i don't know uh we'll see all right i uh will keep the denny hamlin train going i'm also putting denny hamlin in my final four, Chase Elliott, Joey Logano, and then here is the surprise, Brad Keselowski. Wow. Final four. I think he not only has a big year, but has a chance to, to make the final four. And then my champion is also going to be Denny Hamlin. Wow. I'm, wow, Dylan. I'm, I'm very surprised by this. Two people <laughs> I picking think, Denny I Hamlin. Mean, I don't think it's going to be rigged, quote unquote. But think about that final four. You have Brad Kozlowski, Joe Logano, former teammates that have had a couple, I wouldn't say dust-ups at Super Speedways the last couple of years, but they've had some run-ins, even when they were teammates, when they wrecked each other at, when Brad wrecked Joey at Daytona. You have Chase, who coming off of the injury last year. Then you have Denny Hamlin, who um, is Denny Hamlin, and that entire Netflix series. I think gained him a lot of fans of people that are maybe looking for a driver. So, yeah, I think that uh, the only thing that worries me is that added pressure that Denny's going to feel throughout the season. And we've seen, we have seen in the past how he has succumbed to that pressure. So we'll see, but that's my final four champion. I'm surprised that none of you have mentioned the most hands down wide ranging, talented racing driver on this planet. Kyle Larson. I'll tell you why I left Kyle Larson out of my championship four. And it has everything to do with the fact that I, I know that there are a lot of Chase Elliott conspiracy theorists as there are HMS conspiracy theorists that believe that, uh, the equipment is, is put to who HMS wants the best driver to be that year. Uh, Chase Elliott had his championship year toward the end where he won a couple races and then won in Phoenix. Started 
at the tail end of the field in that championship race and won because he failed inspection. Um, I think that Larson, so like my, my, the the reason that I looked at all of this and thought I'm going to leave Larson out was the same reason that I thought about uh, that. I left Joey Logano out because I feel like he's always a championship four contender last year, quote unquote, a down year, but not really. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that there are chances that other drivers are going to have that he may not. Uh, there, you know, I think that he has had a really, really strong run over the last two years, three years. I don't think that that's going to stop, but, uh, I think that, uh, HMS really needs Chase Elliott to be dominant again. And I think my that reasoning is important. I think it just comes down to May. He's going to be focused on Indy. Uh, he's not going to go into Indy 500, not. 110% confident in his driving with his Indy car. So that's that's my basic reasoning is that he's the first half of the NASCAR season. I don't think his full attention, which we've seen when his full attention is not on NASCAR, he still performs well. But I think the up until the Coke 600 and after the Coke 600, his full attention is going to be on the Indy car because he wants to go in the Indy 500 and win it. So that's, that's my biggest reasoning. He's going to be I think facing an uphill battle after that, um, maybe with some poor runs. Well, I understand what you're saying there, but I also remember too, that um, Kyle Busch, when he broke his ankle leg in the, uh, in the Xfinity race and then went on to win the championship, he was out until about the cook 600 or so, right? Came back right around then. So, uh, yeah, but even if he is, he even if he is highly distracted on the sim and stuff like that, where Kyle Larson's going to be driving a completely different car, being the Indy car. Yeah, I see that. I'm saying that even if he is completely distracted, there's nothing to say that Kyle couldn't get on a massive run. That's, that's after true. the 600. Yes. Um, I, I don't necessarily have like Kyle Larson locked into my top four. I think there are great cases to be made for all the guys you're saying. I just think it was interesting that. You know, here's a guy who, you know, he won the season opening race uh, in the high limit sprint car series at East Bay earlier this evening. He won the Wild West shootout in a dirt uh, late model. He went to the Chili Bowl and had a valiant effort there and just got you put behind the get an ball. argument on his driving ability for me, for the sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I just find it wild how to think close that, it is in the Cup Series. Is, no, is I get it. I just think it's wild line. to think that, and, and maybe that's a testament to how good the Cup Series overall is, that yeah. here is the most talented driver on the planet right now across all disciplines, and he's not in three of our four final, final fours. Um I find it hard to bet against Kyle Larson, even if, um, you know, there is some sort of quote unquote change in the guard or tide change at HMS. I feel like it's more likely that William Byron suffers a little bit from that. I mean, six wins is really hard to back up. Um, So I have to go Kyle Larson in my final four. Um, Christopher Bell making it in the final four back to back years is awfully impressive. And I think he's got some good momentum going. Um, I feel like I have to put one of the RFK cars in there. So uh, maybe I'll go Keselowski there. I feel like he's got the experience, but I wouldn't be surprised if Busher isn't either. And then, um, man, it's 
it's hard to bet against the reigning champion, right? To not you know, at least to make it back to the final four. Uh, and then if, of the four of those guys, uh, I, I think Larson can get it done. I mean, he's just so talented. He does things so well. Although, I mean, you know, the Hendrick cars have struggled mightily. I mean, the Hendrick cars were, I think, a favorite to win the championship the first year of the next-gen car in 2022. And they didn't run all that great at the flat track late on in the season and, and got beat by Joey in the Phoenix uh, 2022 final. And then same thing kind of last year that that Blaney was the the outlier, I think, going into that race and then and ends up winning the race and winning the championship in 23. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if HMS can get that righted. But I, I just find it's hard to bet against the guy who's who has won in literally everything he's been in. Any uh, anything else we want to add there, or do we want to get on to uh, our overall uh, over under win totals? Dylan has those handy for us, and we can uh, we can go through and see. Yeah, we, we can do a. Uh, do you guys want to do like a lightning round with it? Sure. Just you know, give over under. We'll, we'll I'll uh, I'll have the list. So we're gonna start off with William Byron, and this is off of the Caesars driver win totals numbers. William Byron's number is listed at three and a half over under for everyone. Under. Under. I'll take the under. Yeah, I also with all of you going under with with William Byron. Um. So, wait. It, just to clarify, Jake, are you writing these down? I'm going to go back and listen to this and write him down okay. here after the show. Okay, because I could. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one, Kyle Larson, the other driver listed with three and a half wins. Um, the the juice, as we call it, minus 145 for him to go over that right now. So uh, definitely Vegas is putting him putting him over three and a half wins. So what do you guys think? Man, I don't, I don't know. Under, I'm gonna take the under. Yeah, I'd also lean under, especially with those numbers. I, I, I'll go over. I'm not like sold, like totally over. I don't think it's gonna be like six wins or anything. It could be four, but still four is more than three and a half. Yep, I'm also going to go under on that as well. So, fading. Okay. Braxton's the only believer in Larson. It sounds like on the show. We we are fading Rick Hendrick, which is a bad move um, in hindsight. But, okay, we're going to Denny Hamlin now. Two and a half wins. But you still get, uh, right now, it's plus 105 to go over two and a half wins there with Denny Hamlin. So, let's hear your picks. Over. Smash the over. Not a ton, but I'm going over. I'm going over too. This was one that last year I, I felt like we all really agreed on, and uh, I won some money on this one last year. I'm going to go over again. I'll take the over on Denny. Yeah, that's. I'm surprised he's not on the same list as Byron and Denny Hamlin. Um, yeah, I'm going over well, easily you know crazy on that one. It's like Denny is so good at Daytona, right? He could win yeah. this weekend. Yep. And then just has to win two more times over 35 races with a, with a guy as quality a driver as Denny and so many tracks that he is dominant at, like Pocono. Uh, Pocono, exactly. Uh, I think he could win the Andy, you know, the return to the Brickyard 400. I mean, there's so many races you could take like Denny Hamlin at. Martinsville or like Martinsville, like, like 
Martinsville and Daytona, you see Daytona twice, you know, like in Martinsville also. What you see Richmond, yes. Darlington, Darlington, yeah. he's good at. Too. So all yeah. of these, all of these places he's won at multiple times and you see them like he'll see six tracks that he's won at twice, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a solid bet. All right. Next driver. We've got chase Elliott two and a half wins as well. Plus money for the over on this is plus one twenty for over two and a half, and the under is minus one fifty nope. on two and a half. Wow, that seems I'd smash the over on that one. Uh, I'll lean, I'll lean over. I think I think we'll have a big year for Hendrick. I'm going under. I think he gets two wins. Gotcha. I am going over in the Denny Hamlin Chase Elliott picks. I gave out on a. The local uh, gambling show, sports gambling show that I call into on Friday. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I gave those two picks out on there as my best NASCAR offseason picks. So next driver now, going to last year's champion, Ryan Blaney, who is also at the two and a half wins mark. Uh, right now, the over is at plus 135 and the under is at minus 165 for Ryan Blaney. This is hard. I cuz he won two races last year. No. Yes, two he won he won He the, won three races last. Three year. races last year. He won the Coke 600, he won uh Martinsville, Martinsville and and finished second at Phoenix. Phoenix. He won Talladega in the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. So a lot of people I think forget that yeah, Ross Chastain won the race at Phoenix. Yeah. Yes. A masterful drive by him, but I would say, you know what? I'm going to say under I don't know why. I feel like that's three is like because he hadn't won a race in a while and then he won three this year. I feel like that's hard to replicate the following year. I'll also go under, even though he's shown that the, I mean, think of the amount of times he's snuck in a win there at Talladega. Um, so he can win at those types of tracks too. But I, I'll probably say he'll be a solid two wins. Yeah, that's where I am too. I, I think under it's gonna be it's gonna be two wins instead of the three. Yep, I'm also with the under, even though it is scary going under with him there, considering he is the most consistent super speedway racer, I think, right now in NASCAR. Next, we're going to Tyler Reddick, who I've lost him on my list here. Tyler Reddick is also at two and a half. Uh, wins the over there is plus 145 the under two and a half is minus 175 i'm going over he's my champion so i would say over i'm not he's not going to win at the at any super speedway tracks but i think the intermediate tracks at places like homestead he's gonna it's yeah he's won twice at coda too right yeah yeah but although he did win uh two years ago at uh the the indie road course and that's no longer here so i think that you'd lose that but he didn't win last year anyway as mcdowell did so uh but still i mean he's also i think gonna make a jump into that upper top tier level championship level drivers this year so i'm saying over he's in my championship four i'll probably i'll so it might surprise you i'll probably go under and him getting two wins he could put together a blaney type season I think there'll be a you know he'll he'll come contend for a lot of wins. Uh, I think his his team might his teammate 
Bubba Wallace didn't win last year. He might be due for a couple, but uh, Tyler Reddick, I'll say a solid two. Um, I'll make a, I'll get, I'll take the over. I think he's going to get three wins uh, purely because I think he was in contention a lot last year. And, you know, that first year of, of 2311, having the pit crews in house, I think it did them in, in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. I think having a year under their belts now, I think Tyler Reddick puts himself back in position to win uh, three races this year. I'm going, uh, this is, this was the toughest one for me. I'm going under two and a half. I just think there's a lot of good Toyota drivers this year. And a lot of those tracks that they're good at, you know, it's going to come down to all, that's the thing about the Toyotas. It seems like the Kansases and those type of tracks that they're so good at, they're all good at it. So it'll be tough to, to out duel the other Toyotas in those. So that's, that's my reasoning behind that. Next driver is uh, the last driver we're going to talk about on the two and a half wins mark. Uh, and this one is a bit surprising that he's also at this two and a half because we haven't mentioned his name a lot during this episode. And that is Martin Truex Jr. Over two and a half would be is right now at plus 145. Under is minus 175 for MTJ to go over. Or under two and a half wins. I'm saying under. I was he was very unimpressive uh, I, in the last. Mm, I mean, he was he was okay, uh, like the last like five races, four races of the year, but um, he was kind of mid pack for a, a number of them. I know that he had a couple wins last year. But uh, I feel like this is one of those years where, like, he probably should have retired last year, and we're probably not. I, I don't know. I'm always wrong about everything, but I, I'm saying under. I'll go under two, under two and a half. Um, you know, left a lot to be desired towards the end of that season. I, I don't, I don't see much momentum being carried into this year. We've talked about how deep Toyota is now. Um, so, you know, it, it could be looking at, uh, in this, you know, could be another bold prediction out of, out of the JGR cars. He, he might, you know, be fourth in that stable when the, uh, standings are all said and done this season. Yeah. I got to take the under as well. I mean, that, that playoffs was just so miserable for mm-hmm. them. I mean, he, he, he had a run of 12 out of, or sorry, 10 out of 12 races, Leading up to the playoffs, he had top tens, and uh, what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven of those were in the top five, and then he had two top tens and no top fives in the final ten races of the year. I mean, a fall off like that is just unheard of in in NASCAR these days. I feel like, and uh, I think it's going to have some some bad mojo uh, into their season. I hope it's not. I, I like Martin as a guy. I like him as a race car driver, but I just don't see how they can, you know, especially with all the gains that all the other teams are making. I, don't, I just don't know that he can bounce back. It's worth mentioning that like last year was a much better year than 2022 where like he finished 17th, but I don't think he won a race that year. And also they weren't really in it very much, you know? So uh, like last year was a definite like improvement over 22, but I just don't see them getting, they, you know, he won three races last year. I don't see him winning more than that. Or even, I, I don't, I don't see him winning a game or winning a game, winning a race next year. 
at all, honestly. All right, I'm going over just for the fact of why would you come back if unless you're ready? You know, there's so much controversy. Is he coming back or not? You know, I feel like he's got something left in the tank. Might have something to prove. So I'm going over probably right at three wins there for MTJ. Now to uh, the drivers, some drivers at one and a half wins. We're going to start off with Kyle Busch, who had a kind of up and down season last year. Right now, it's kind of even money um, over or under one and a half wins. So uh, what do you guys think? Mm. Uh, Over. uh, I'm going to say over. I don't know why. I I said that he wasn't going to be great last year, and he started off like winning the what second race of the year. So. I will go under. I think he'll win a race, but just one. Yeah, I uh, I agree with that. I'll go under. Yeah, I'm, oh, this is another tough one for me. I'm going over just because he, again, the clash. Last year, I was like, man, he's so impressive in the clash. And he, he got me, got me um, the over total that guy called out last year. Um, so I'm going over for Kyle Busch as well, but that's another c- close one. Um, now to Bubba Wallace, who's actually not at one and a half wins. His over under is at zero and a half. So we just need one win over though. That's minus 125 under is plus 100. Smash the over 100%. Yep. The, I, I think this is one of my favorite, uh, bets or lines that that we've mentioned here tonight i think he'll definitely get a win uh maybe two this year yep taking the over yep i agree um one win especially with the speed they've shown out of several different tracks easily doable for him and now the last one of the 10 that we have decided and it is my championship four prediction so it's brad kozlowski also at the zero and a half wins over would be you don't have a lot of favorable odds here but it's minus 165 for the over and plus 135 for the under i'm gonna go ahead and go and say over series <laughs> in my final four under and because i don't think he's ever gonna win again i'm gonna I'll look say, really stupid if he wins the daytona <laughs> 500 i'll say over uh, I'm going over, and I'm going to mark this that clip, uh, Steve, one of you saying that he's never going to win again, uh, just in case he wins on Sunday. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Cool. That was a fun exercise. Uh, just quick, to, Dylan, does uh, Caesars or any other books have uh, the championship odds? Uh, yes, I can pull that up for you right now. And the championship favorite is, wait... Is... While you're looking that up, I, I think an interesting note on uh, on Martin Trex Jr. is that I, I just hearken back to like Jimmy Johnson's last couple of full time years in the series, and the, it was painful to watch. And and I know Martin hasn't won to the level that Jimmy has, but um, I just feel like the odds of him following in that path, given the age and longevity of his career and stuff is more likely than to happen than for Martin to have this crazy renaissance and and winning a bunch of races and, and being a championship contender again. Agreed. 
that is uh, a good point for sure. And here's a, I'm just going to stick with Caesars uh, since we did it for the win total. So the championship odds right now, Kyle Larson is the favorite at plus 550. And of course, only one of the four of us had him in our final four. William Byron plus 600, Chase Elliott plus 700, Denny Hamlin plus 750, Ryan Blaney also at plus 750. And then Christopher Bell is actually ahead of Joey Logano, which I think is surprising at 9-1. to Logano's at 12-1. to Some other noticeable names uh, that we've been talking about. Tyler Reddick and Brad Keselowski are both at 16-1. to um, Bubba Wallace, 35-1. to And a name we have not mentioned, I'm just going to throw in my hair so we can say we mentioned him, Daniel Suarez at 80-1. to Interesting. And- What's Ross at just out of curiosity? Ross, yes, that's a name we also haven't mentioned a lot, but he is at 20 to 1, tied with oh, Chris Buescher. Yeah. That's not bad. Dylan, you mentioned uh, Caesars, and I saw in there, and I actually um, I have a four leg parlay that for a, a season long one, a small bet, but one that Caesars allows you to do is championship standing. So I'll just give a shout out that this is 11 to 1, and goes along with some predictions um, in the, they're like head to head. So I have Tyler Reddick over Logano in the final standings, Byron over Larson, Keselowski over Busher and Hamlin over Bellini. And you can, I, I put those together as kind of a season long thing. They'll just watch and see how that develops throughout the season. Yeah, that is fun. I wish there were more of the matchups for some reason in Kentucky. We are not allowed to bet on season matchups, futures for drivers. Makes no sense. We can do it for Formula One, but not NASCAR. Ooh. Yeah. Hey, uh, maybe the, maybe the state of Kentucky is uh, is trying to get a Formula One race at Kentucky Speedway. Imagine the, an oval or, race. <laughs> or what about a Formula One race on the streets of Hazard? That would be a sight to see. <laughs> it would be a wild sight to see. Um, okay, let's let's finish up. Let's talk a little bit about the Daytona 500. Um, I think the big things you have to talk about, and you mentioned it, guys, mentioned it a couple uh, uh, a little bit ago at the beginning of the show was, um, you know, you have new noses for both Toyota and Ford. Um, how do we think that's going to play out on, on in drafting and? And how that, because that's where, like, you know, the first test of, of a nose comes in. You know, and Ford for a long time had an advantage where, and I guess they still do technically, where the uh, the front end of the Mustang nose is dead flat and it makes it very easy to be a pusher. Um, h- how do you think that's going to play out this year? And and do you think there's a uh, an edge that a particular manufacturer might have for the 500? Maybe. I think that. Ford is probably going to be a little bit faster on super speedways this year. I mean, they're, I think the, one of the biggest uh, issues is that they like, uh, like one of the biggest things that Chevrolet is going to have to contend with is that Ford is going to work together well already. Uh, and now if they're going to be faster than, you know, Chevy and, and, and uh, Chevy's going to have to worry a little bit more, despite the fact that they bring cars that are always fast to the track they don't link up as much as they probably should. So do I think that this is going to help out Ford and Toyota? Yes. Uh, just based on how they look. I mean, I'm not like an aero aero expert, but, uh, they look like they would be faster. 
Um, and so if they are, that's going to be uh, very interesting because it's going to open up the door for a, you know, potentially different Fords or Toyotas uh, that are that have a that have a chance that may not have had a chance in previous years. Yes, I I agree with you. I think it'll help um, Toyota and Ford. I think um, as far as and we we see how these races develop uh, year after year now with the manufacturers. Um, and that, that was one of the things that was featured in the Netflix series. I thought was interesting. They had one of the meetings, uh, before Daytona with the, uh, I believe it was Florida to go back and watch, but they showed a type of meeting before that race. Um, you know, uh, you know, just talking about teamwork and, and, and pushing other Fords and whatnot. But, um, I think another factor here, uh, when you're talking manufacturers, and what will happen is we've mentioned Legacy Motor Club switch, and that puts a few more Toyotas in the field. In previous years, Toyota has not had that many cars out there. They've had, you know, very good ones, but not many. And that uh, kind of um, adds a little bit of, of flavor to this as well, uh, Toyota gaining a few more cars. I am really looking forward. I love change when they change the bodies and change the the cars and all that. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what kind of aerodynamic advantage or disadvantage they're going to have. Um, I've seen, as I had mentioned in our group text, some rumblings on Twitter that Toyota is apparently bringing down a, quote, fast hot rod to Daytona. So we'll see what exactly that means. And if that comes to be the case, cause uh, we know how qualifying goes, which will be tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, as we are recording this, we'll see if they can compete with the Hendrick power. Yeah, that's, I think it's going to be interesting. I think the Ford nose, especially is going to be interesting with the way it has some flared wheel arches uh, that raise up. I think it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, plays out. Not necessarily at Daytona, but as we get under more of the downforce tracks uh, like Vegas and 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 places like that. Uh, but it's definitely going to be well, interesting. We'll say to the we- the weather, it kind of bodes towards putting more speed in your car too. Just saying, because it's going to be a little cooler. Not going to be a hot Daytona day. That's actually really fair and something that that I've been curious about, um, and I know Dylan, you know about this, is density altitude. And it's a big thing they talk about in drag racing in terms of how much uh, you know boost you can make. Uh, but I would imagine the density altitude probably has a, a big impact on your downforce as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially being that close to the ocean is, is always a factor. And then, you know, how, how humid the air mass is and stuff. Uh, but also just, you know, as we've seen in the past too with how these cars Race. I know it's different with this package, but how they race in the heat, and especially at Daytona when the track gets hot and slick, um, where this is, you might not see much sunshine at all, both Saturday and Sunday, with rain in the forecast both days, lesser totals on Sunday, but still it's going to be cloudy and cooler, 50s and 60s temperature-wise, as opposed to 70s and 80s, which we can see at Daytona at times. So if right. these uh, engineers for some of these shops wanted a little bit of a heads up, 
week, couple weeks in advance, could have slid me a couple dollars, and I could have helped out with uh, a potential Daytona qualifying winning car setup. So maybe next year. Maybe next year. Um, all right. Well, uh, do we have any predictions and uh, and picks for the 500? Do we want to go ahead and do those? Yeah. Could uh, I say, it, since I had to go last all these times because I won last year, can I go first as my reward um, for being the champion from last year? Sure. We'll, all in we'll favor, do. say aye. I, aye. I agree. Aye. I agree. And you got, I stole I a lot of his picks, so I think I he deserves it. Who did I pick to win the champion in the championship race again? <laughs> Reed Sorensen. Did you guys make me pick BJ McCullough? Reed Sorensen, that's right, the 15 car. Yeah. Which actually might not be a bad pick this uh, the 25 <laughs> All right. Um, right. You know, actually, I will say that last year, I even forgot about it part, most of the way through the season, that I was the only one who picked Blaney to win the race or to win the championship. Yeah. And I had totally forgotten about it until oh, the very yeah. end when Jake reminded yep. me. I am uh, going to pick my Final Four contender in Brad Keselowski. He has been – it's been a, a battle of who's the favorite. I've seen Denny Hamlin the favorite to win. I've seen Ryan Blaney. I've seen Brad Keselowski at times on Caesars, but now it's flipped to, I believe, Kyle Busch, um, who's still – he's on number 18 looking for his first Daytona 500. But I'm going Brad Keselowski. He's been great the last couple of years at the 500. All right, Brad K for Dylan. Um, and I would have gotten a deal at Brad K, 16-1 to 1 to win the championship after he locks himself in after one race. <laughs> right. Um, how, how do we want to do the order then for the rest of this? Since Dylan went first, do we want to go then to who finished last? Well, who, who had the last finish of the, the standings at last or the season last year? I th- Actually... I technically had the worst finish of anybody at Phoenix last year because my guy C Bell uh, finished dead last. Yes, rotor exploded. <laughs> you, I think I, you could go. That's fine. Okay. Um, for Daytona, I think it's it's so difficult to pick against Denny Hamlin. I, I don't want to be like a bandwagon guy and stuff, but uh, he's been so good there. I mean, you don't win three Daytona five hundreds by accident, uh, although. I guess you can win a Daytona 500 by accident, given um, you know the, the way the nature of those races and stuff. But uh, I'll go Denny. So that leaves next would be Steve and then Jake. All right, uh, I picked him in the first. I, I think I picked him in the Daytona 500 last year, and I'm picking Bubba Wallace to win the Daytona 500 again this year because I'm dumb, and we're gonna see if it actually works this time. All right. Well, it uh, resulted in a 20th place finish for both you and Jake last year. Nice. Although you got some uh, stage points out of it, I believe too. I believe that was the only race last year that it was our first ever episode and we both picked the same driver and I don't think anyone picked the same Mm -hmm. one again. I can't. And honestly, I don't know who to pick because all my picks were taken. So here we go again. Um, because I had, I had Kozlowski and Wallace and then, you know, Hamlin. So I heard Kozlowski had taken, I was actually thinking, hey, Blaney's oh, he's still Hamlin. available. Um, he is, I, I just, maybe, um, man, you um, pick Austin Cendrick. 
I will not pick. Grala. I will not pick Sendrick, Stenhouse, McDowell. I I think that I think the well, uh, New York race. Here we go. I'm, I'm just going to throw this one out there. I think the season's going to start with a major splash, momentum. Chase Elliott. Okay, that would be big. And I, that, I, I, I had think a, that'll be big. I think the 500. You know, it's it's a massive race. Obviously, I think NASCAR probably wants someone to win. And I'm not taking anything away from the previous winners of pre, uh, you know, in recent memory. Just a big name, you know. You you need a, a big name to win this race this time around. He's also great at Daytona. Let's not, you know, kid oh, ourselves. Yeah. He's he has some of the best runs of anybody in NASCAR. There, consistent runs. There okay. you go. So Jake has taken Chase Elliott. Dylan has Brad Keselowski. Steve has. Uh, Bubba Wallace and I have Denny Hamlin for our real picks. Here comes our favorite part of the uh, of the picks. It is the random picks. Who had the worst finish of last year's random? Probably me. Uh, no, it was Dylan. Actually, no, Jake had uh, Justin Haley in his final colleague ride at 29th. So it'll be Jake, Dylan, Steve, and then myself on uh, the random wheel so let's get the random wheel spinning uh well i'm spinning this dylan you want to talk about your forecast for this weekend yeah it's not looking good i saw some hopeful forecasts shared today uh saturday definitely looks close to a washout sunday is going to be a close call good news is um it looks to be morning rain there may be some it may be delayed that's my would be my prediction right now possibility of delay I'm not ready to say it's going to get postponed to Monday by any means, but um, definitely something worth watching, unfortunately. All right. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, and they've already had rain down that way. I mean, last night's action at, uh, at East Bay for the High Limit Series got postponed uh, because of a torrential rain. Actually, the, uh, the reporter guy from Flow Racing covering the High Limit Race, he, he did a report I saw online earlier that was um he was standing like in a giant puddle uh like in the infield of east bay and it, he was like up to his knees and uh, and somebody said uh this puts um parker kligerman's is a, is the track wet report to shame <laughs> uh, which i thought was pretty funny all right well we'll keep an eye on the rain i will say we have floated the idea we haven't like nailed anything down just yet um but if it does get somehow postponed to uh, to Monday, depending on what time on Monday, we are considering we you know depending on timing, it's possible we might do a, a live segment of the podcast. So um, I'm not telling you to do a rain dance to hope for rain, but if it does happen and stuff, then then we might try to organize a live version of the podcast uh, for at least part of the 500. All right, so. Random picks are in off of the spinny wheel. Jake, you get Joey Logano. Not bad. Sure not bad. Um, me and Dylan actually got the same guy totally randomly, and that is Daniel Suarez. Yikes. Wow. <laughs> oh, Steve, you say yikes now. He's my amigo, man. I love Daniel Suarez, but I wouldn't pick him in Daytona. <laughs> well, well, you get Austin Cindric then. Do I actually get Austin Cindric? Oh, no. you, you do get Austin Cindric. Oh, no. oh, no. oh, no. oh, no. That's why I said you say yikes now. 
At least he has a 500 win. I'll take what I can get. That's fair. Hey, uh, look at that. Guess... Our, our first episode of the second season. Yeah, wrapped up. It was a little it's long. There's a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Reed, what is Reed doing? Actually, um, he's with a team, is he not? Didn't he spot? He spotted for somebody in the Rolex 24 hours, I believe. Yeah, so I'm actually I'm looking up because I know Dustin Long wrote it up. It was the Cup uh, Crew Chief Driver Spotter lineup. Here, let me do this a quick F. Reed Sorensen is not listed as a Cup Series spotter for this year. He's, you know, he, it looks like he's spotting for Jordan Anderson uh, in the Xfinity Series, maybe. Yeah. Jordan he, Anderson is running the uh, Xfinity Daytona race this he weekend. Is, he's with spotting his father-in-law, Larry McReynolds. So that's, that's a dream team if I ever heard one. He's got Larry yes. Mack, <laughs> his father-in-law in the pit box, and he's got Reed Sorensen in his ears. I'm going to be tuned in to that online radio because that is, that's a, that's a dream. I think that, that should be goal number one for us on the podcast this year is to get Reed Sorensen on the pod. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, uh, we'll try to get Reed Sorensen on the pod. Um, we should all, I will tweet every episode. I will tag Reed Sorensen in it on, on X, former, formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> And Before X totally goes down the drain. Try to get him on the show. That would be awesome. Nice. Alrighty. Well, I think that wraps up a extended uh, first episode of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing for Season 2. Uh, we're excited to be back for a Season 2, uh, and we certainly hope to, to make it even better than Season 1 was. We think Season 1 was a resounding success. It'll be hard to top, but we're certainly going to give it uh, our all to do so so we thank you all for tuning in you can of course keep up with us on social media at cloudy racing pod across uh, platforms and uh, be sure to uh, share this episode and share our whole show with a friend uh, we like to grow the family as we get started into the 2024 season uh, with that i think that wraps it up so uh, for steve jake and dylan i'm braxton thanks so much for listening to uh, the season premiere of Cloudy with a Chance of Racing. And uh, happy Daytona 500 weekend, everyone. Have a good one.